Now, Jesus College is an ancient institution. It's weathered many changes, maybe many existential threats. We were originally a 12th century nunnery, but became a college, part of the University of Cambridge, in 1496. We've been through civil and world wars, pandemics of the past. We've seen technologies change in many, many ways over that time. Our alumni have developed thoughts and ideas that have had a huge influence around the world. Whether we're talking about Thomas Malthus and his work on population, or Belinda Wilkes, uh, who works with NASA running one of their deep space observatories. The Intellectual Forum is more recent. We were set up about five years ago to get people to think and talk about important issues and to reach outside the boundaries of our own college walls. We've had many stellar speakers in that time. Uh, we've had the fashion designer, Jimmy Chu. We've had two former Australian prime ministers, Kevin Rudd and Julia Gillard, although not at the same time. And we've had the Assistant Director General of the World Health Organization, Peter Simpson, talking about vaccine equity around the world. We've also shown off some of the transformational work still being done by our own academics, whether it's using synthetic biology to come up with a new clean, safe way to dye clothes, to how we can fix a financial system to save us from climate change and other existential risks. And if you do want to treat, have a look at the Jesus College YouTube channel where many of these talks and more are captured. And this one will be available there later as well. Today, we're particularly delighted to be working with the Cambridge Centre for the Study of Existential Risk. They are a truly talented group of people I've enjoyed working with for many years. And they're thinking really deeply about many of the issues that could challenge us as a species. And I hugely recommend their work, whether it's their work on AI, about climate, about bio-risk, about nuclear conflict, on so much more. It's really well worth working, looking at, and it's a huge pleasure to be cooperating with them on this event. And tonight's speaker is one of a relatively rare breed, and I'm delighted that he's joined us very early in the morning from Australia for this. He's a, a politician and an academic. Andrew Lee was a professor of economics at the Australian National University, and then in 2010 was elected as a federal member of parliament in the House of Representatives, representing part of Canberra, the seat now known as Fenner. A member of the Labour Party, he's held government office as parliamentary secretary to the then Prime Minister, Julia Gillard, who I mentioned earlier, and is now a shadow assistant minister for treasury and for charities. Although with elections coming up in a few months, who knows, maybe there's a return to government coming up. Now, today we're going to talk about his recent book, the optimistically titled, What's the Worst That Could Happen, uh, which is available from all good bookstores near you and looks very much like this. So we're going to start off by having a chat, and then we're going to take questions from you in the audience. Please use the Q&A feature uh, in Zoom to put in any questions, and I'll make sure to feed them in. So, Andrew, welcome. Thank you very much for being with us today. It's a real pleasure, Gillian. Thank you for having me. And thanks to also to Jesus College and the Cambridge Centre for the Study of Existential Risk. It's a treat to be chatting with you. Well, thanks. And I hope we can welcome you in person at some point. But obviously, it's a bit tricky and, you know, environmental issues challenge that. Now, just to start off, um, it's just possible some of the people listening to this haven't yet read the book, which is obviously a great shame. Could you give us a, a, a summary of the book, maybe a sort of five minute, what's the, what's the main message? What is the worst that could happen? Well, thanks, Joanne. And uh, I should also have acknowledged that I'm meeting on the uh, traditional lands of the Ngunnawal people and pay my respects to uh, elders past and present. 
Um, what's the worst that could happen? Looks at some improbable but truly awful things that could not just uh, de decrease human welfare, but end the entire human project. Uh, and you could think of this a bit in the way in which uh, you might think about taking out an insurance policy. Uh, chances are this year your house will not burn down. The chances of that happening are less than 1%. But most of us take out house insurance because it would be catastrophic if that happened. Uh, and so too, as a species, I argue we ought to take out a little bit more insurance against some really calamitous things that might hit us. Now, classically, we think about an asteroid strike, uh, whether you're looking at deep impact or uh, Armageddon, or uh, indeed, uh, uh, Don't Look Up, the uh, new movie on Netflix. Uh, they've featured the notion that the world might end by being struck by an asteroid. Uh, but it turns out that um, not unrelated to the uh, movies that I mentioned, uh, there is now a NASA Planetary Defense Office uh, which tracks near-Earth objects and we've low, tangibly lowered the probability that an asteroid would strike the Earth and do to us what happened with, to the dinosaurs and uh, uh, enabled the rise of our species. So really the main catastrophic risks that I'm concerned about are nuclear war, uh, pandemics, uh, both naturally occurring but particularly bioterrorism, uh, unchecked climate change, which leads to not just four degrees, but six or 10 degrees of warming, uh, and artificial intelligence gone awry. Uh, and then there's a, a series of, of other risks, uh, which are tangible, but, uh, but not of that magnitude. Uh, and I argue, and what's the worst that could happen, that for modest investment, we can actually do a lot to reduce the risks of those, uh, those things transpiring. Uh, climate change has received considerable attention and it turns out now that installing zero cost uh, energy sources uh, not only reduces carbon emissions but also brings down the marginal cost of energy. Uh, nuclear war is uh, potential uh, if, uh, if it's uh, created intentionally but also accidentally and so with 10,000 weapons, many of them, or tens of thousands of weapons, many of them on hair trigger alert, we could do a lot to reduce the chances that a nuclear war happens by accident. Uh, I talk in the book about uh, the uh, uh, system that the US military put in place at one point, uh, so-called permissive action locks, uh, but the uh, military were worried that might uh, uh, impair their ability to fire the missiles speedily, uh, and so all the lock codes were set to zero, 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 zero. Uh, a bit like a, a forget, forgetful business person's uh, briefcase. Uh, I talk too in the book about uh, the challenge that uh, uh, artificial intelligence poses. Uh, this is one which is featured more in science fiction than in sensible policy conversations, but it's the largest risk in the book in part because uh, it is almost certain that at some point in the next couple of hundred years, we'll build a computer whose capacities exceed our own. And at that point, the question will be, uh, are its interests aligned with ours? Now, I argue that it's probably gonna be fairly hard to figure out all of the scenarios in advance in which the intentions of the superintelligence would diverge from ours. And so probably what we want instead is a superintelligence which is coded to be observant, humble, and altruistic. 
and that those three principles are a clever way of ensuring that the machine learns steadily our values uh, and doesn't do what Nick Bostrom once suggested of uh, uh, deciding that it wants to create as many paper clips as possible uh, and use our homes and cars as raw material for that process. Overlying the entire book is the notion of populism, uh, which has roiled the world. Uh, you've seen tastes of it, tastes of it in uh, the UK, as indeed we have here in Australia. Uh, but places like Hungary and the United States and Brazil uh, have been hit harder by the populist wave. Uh, populist, almost by design, uh, are a risk factor for these catastrophic threats. Uh, that's because they tend to turn the temperature up, denigrate experts and deride international cooperation, undermining the very things we need uh, in order to reduce the probability of catastrophic risks. There is, of course, a, a possibility uh, that uh, a catastrophic possibility that comes from populists themselves, uh, and that's in terms of a, a long term totalitarian turn. Uh, think of it as 1984, but run with today's technologies. But the more pressing concern, I believe, uh, is the risk that uh, populism will exacerbate catastrophic threats. Uh, and it's that, it's that which animated me to, uh, to write the book and I guess distinguishes what's the worst that can happen from uh, other works which have been written in the uh, catastrophic risk vein, uh, most particularly Toby Ord's terrific book, The Precipice. Uh, but with that, Julian, let me uh, stop the overview remarks and look, very, look forward very much to your questions and, and those of your audience. Well, well thank you. And there, there, there's so much in there already that we could pick up on, and I can see some questions coming in. And, and please do start putting questions in now. We won't get to them uh, quite yet. Now, you cover a lot of different risks, and there's, there's a fascinating table, I think it's page 91, where you talk about the assessed risks of various different things. I'm not going to quiz you on the exact numbers, but you know, you talk about the the idea that uh, uh, you know the, the the chance of a stellar explosion is about the same as the chance of being struck by lightning this week, and, and various other comparisons. Um, widespread authoritarianism that you were just talking about there. I think you say chances about one in a hundred of that in the next hundred years, which is apparently the chance your spouse cheated on you last month. Again, I'm, I'm not going to check you on 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 the figures for that. Um, do people really understand how to think about these rare risks? Are we as a species very good at evaluating rare things? Excellent point. And uh, naturally, the answer is no. Uh, we tend to be much more focused on things which are probable 